another episode of Prosper. I'm your host, Anna Maria Bliven, and today we're going to tackle a career transition situation that could only happen with transitioning from the military to civilian life in all branches. However, we're going to focus our attention on Army for today with an Army career counselor. So stay tuned. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Entrepreneurs, start your engines. What engine did you ask? The engine that runs your business, of course. If you find you're lacking the power to accelerate past your competition, I have just the solution. Head over to ResonateEngine.com and find out how the Thought Partner Group team can build a custom engine that will help you secure your future, build your credibility, and finally see the success you deserve. Today in the studio, we have William Matheson, and we've just been chatting before making this recording, but what we've been talking about, we're now going to continue to talk about and kind of allow you to eavesdrop as we're talking. And William and I actually served as Army Career Counselors, 79 Victor Delta Sierra. We were in the 79 career management space, and we helped develop people's career in the on the military and civilian side. And William was just talking to me about his experience as an Army counselor. Welcome, William. Hello. How are you doing today again? Doing great. So we know from working with Army soldiers that in some cases... They're in the motor pool when they'd rather be in the kitchen, and they're in the kitchen when they would rather be in the motor pool. And we also know that while they're getting trained for their job specialty in the service, they are being able to transfer that into civilian world too, correct? That's correct. It's not just your MOS, but it's also all of your additional duties. I mean, how many times have people been given a MOS, but they work outside of that MOS, or they have additional duties such as uh, key holder or CQ, being in charge of quarters, things like that. So there's a lot of extra duties that we do that have transferable skills for civilian places. And I'm glad you use the, the term transferable skills because more and more, correct me if I'm wrong, but employers are looking for those skills. They're not necessarily looking for what you can do in a list of things so much as what you have done and what you bring to the table that's going to help your, their business be successful and their team outperform, correct? That, that's correct. And it's also a matter of how you can translate those skills so that the employer can understand what you're bringing to the table. And a really good example of this, I was working with a young man that had gotten out of the Air Force, and he loaded bombs onto the fighter planes. And here in southern Wisconsin, there's a lot of cheese factories. And he went to the cheese factory and said he wanted to be a mechanic on their machines. And what this 
loading 500-pound bombs onto the wing of a plane have to do with operating machinery in a factory? And so they didn't even take them in for an interview or anything else. They just outright rejected them. So what I did was I called them up and I said, let me explain this resume to you. In loading a 500-pound bomb onto a plane, he has to first check it out of the warehouse. In order to check it out of the warehouse, he has to be able to do A, B, C, and D. But it goes out on a carrier, and he's responsible for the first and second echelon maintenance of that carrier. That carrier has hydraulics, pneumatics, and, and an electrical motherboard on it, all operating in order to lift that up. And he's responsible for maintaining all of those hydraulics, all of those pneumatics, you know. And then once he gets a, the bomb connected to the plane, he's responsible for all the, the hydraulics, for holding it in place, and all the electronics. This guy can read schematics, electrical, pneumatical, and hydraulic schematics. He can follow it. Uh, he's still alive, so you know he's very, very safety conscious and follows directions. You know, so long story short, they brought him in, interviewed him. He got a job as a mechanic. Two years later, he's running the second shift. See, with that explanation, then they could figure out where the connection lied. Exactly. So... You're a career counselor in the space of program manager, soldier for life transition. You did that for eight years and seven months at Joint Base Lewis. During that soldier for life transition class, which I think is only, what, a week? It all depends on the base that you're coming out of and how they approach it. It's 40 hours minimum of classes, but the classes can be broken down into multi-weeks. It's a lot of places, like at JBLM, we did it all in one week. So we, 40 hours, okay. But it's, it's 40 hours of classes. Okay, and part of that class, did it include the language to use when interviewing for a civilian job? So that part of it was run by the Department of Labor that talked about that, and yes, they did try to explain it, my opinion was was that they didn't go far enough but once again they were just they only had so many hours to teach what they had to teach and they had the emphasis that the department of labor wanted on it okay so the department of labor is teaching to military what they want the military to know while they're transitioning into a, a civilian type job that's correct Oh my gosh. So I'm running into a lot of situations where let's take the scenario that you just talked about, this gentleman wanting the mechanics job and not doing an adequate job in communicating the skills underlying the actual position that he and the role that he played in the military. We have a lot of folks that don't know how to communicate what it is that they have done, can do, and are masters at. Consequently, they don't do a very good job of transitioning. 
Absolutely. So, William, what can we do about this? All right. Well, the first thing that I, I suggest to all people that are looking for a job, it doesn't matter with your, whether you're military or not, and that's to get the format for the uh, federal job application, USA Jobs, and fill that out completely as a master resume that you can then later pull things out of. And you can use all the military terminology in this that you need to use because it's not going to ever be sent to an employer. It's for you to have a master list of all your skills and abilities and things like that for all the jobs that you've done. And there's places uh, like you can get your, um, I'm going to have to, to make sure that I use the right terminology here, I'm going to pull up a note. I'm getting kind of old sometimes. I, I uh, Joint Services Transcript. The Joint Services Transcript has a list of all your MOSs that you've ever participated in, a list of all your schools that you've ever participated in, and it lists it by skill levels that you've attained. So it'll have tons and tons of information about what it is that you were expect to do for your MOS. Another good uh, starting point is your verification of military experience and training, or VMET. You can also get a copy of that. ONET with the uh, military crosswalk is pretty good, but those two documents are a lot more specific to you as an individual and what your jobs were titled under. This is a really good starting point. The USA Jobs resume, the JST requesting the joint services transcript, and then the VMAT, the Verification of Military Experience and Training document. Is this the sort of thing that they walk away with 40 hours later with uh, Transition for Life? They tell you about them, but they don't help you get them. Oh, well, I think we just happened to figure out something that we can definitely work on. And as the person that you were, local veterans employment representative, the Office of Veterans Affairs, excuse me, Veterans Services for the state of Wisconsin Department of Workforce Development in Janesville, this is what you did, right? These were things that I tried to get people to do because resumes get you interviews, interviews get you jobs. Mm -hmm. And if you're sending out resumes and not getting any response back, it's because the resume that you're sending out isn't very good. You might think that it's terrific, but it's not what the employers are looking for. I had a veteran get very upset with me one time when I told him that your resume may be about you, but it's for the employer. So it's about the employer and what the employer needs and what the employer wants to hear from you in order to bring you in for that interview. If you can't show that connection to what they're looking for, then they're not going to call you in for the interview. And I've came up with some very specific techniques that I worked with local SHRM, 
which is the Society of uh, Human Resources Professionals, and with employers. And some of them were some of the larger employers, and then some of them were some of the smaller, more private employers, uh, family-owned businesses. So basically what I came up with is this. You have your master resume now, and you need to show that connection to the employer. So you look up the employer, you look up the job, run off a copy of the, um, the job posting, and most job postings have several sections to them. The counselors that I worked with that were working with the uh, veterans, and I would sit down and we would highlight in yellow all the key words that were in the job post. Then we'd go back over it again and where we saw words repeating themselves in multiple sections, we'd go over with the green highlighter or blue highlighter over the yellow. If there's any words in there that they said, this is required for the job, we highlighted it in red because that has got to be in there if you have it. If you can do it, if you have it, a lot of places for a lot of jobs, do you have a driver's license? And a lot of people blow that off. Well, yeah, of course I got a driver's license. They don't, everybody's got a driver's license. No, not everyone has a driver's license. And if that's a requirement for the job, you want to make sure that it's in there. And anything that's required that you have, I tell people put it in the top third of the first page because there's a lot of employers out there that they get so many resumes, they take 10 seconds to read a resume. And if you've got a three-page resume and what they're looking for is not in that first 10 seconds, you're not getting called in. The person that's got all those requirements is the person that's getting called in. So That's right. That's right. So I'm glad you said that. Where do you stand on cover letters? Where do I stand on cover letters? It all depends on the employer and what the employer is looking for and asking for and the level of the job. I know that most places say one page or two page resumes is what you should send out. I have helped senior people, bird colonels, I helped a brigadier general write a resume for a major corporation that it was a five page resume because he needed to explain in the and here, here's a term that I'm going to use that a lot of people aren't aware of, star statements. Not just bullet points, but star statements. And he needed to have the correct star statements showing that he could do what they were looking for. Their job posting was an actual four-page job posting. And so it took a five-page reply with a cover letter and he's now a senior vice president for a major insurance company. Right. So it depends on the position. It depends on the employer. And I, when I have people that I help too, I'm always in there in a situation where they have been asked for a cover letter because it plainly says it. Upload your resume here. Upload your cover letter here. That when they go to research the company, they're to keep in mind this is not about them. It's about the company and how they fit 
with the company. Exactly. And I tell people when you do a cover letter, even even a resume, do your research on the company. Go into their website, find out what their uh, value statements are, find out what their mission statement is, find out the terminology that they use. When I was at uh, Fort Lewis, Washington, we worked with Starbucks and everybody at Starbucks is a partner. If you go to Boeing, it's superior versus subordinate. So you could use a lot more military terminology going for a job at Boeing than you could at Starbucks. We worked with a large electrical concern out there and everybody was considered an associate. So you wanna make sure that you're using those words and those terms back at them and showing that your values reflect their values. So if they have a certain value statement that they use, you want to try and incorporate that into that cover letter saying that, you know, I understand that you are have these values and I have these values too and they've been imparted to me through the military. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'll tell you a quick quick story. It's kind of funny, but I helped my younger son get the, his dream job. He ever since he started working at pizzerias, doing you know the the dishes, and then eventually driving the orders, and then eventually becoming the host and in the inside of the pizza restaurant. He always wanted to work for Olive Garden. So when he was graduating high school in the summer, he wanted to apply for Olive Garden waiter. And he did what he normally does, you know, a 17 going on 18 year old and glossed over a lot of things. But he did have the foresight to say, mom, before I hit the button, would you like to see what I did? It's like, okay. So I walked into his room and I was reading his online application. And it was quite obvious that he was coming from his point of view and he knew nothing about Olive Garden. So I opened a new browser page, I opened up the Olive Garden, and I showed him how to research a company that he's intending to work for. Absolutely. Lo and behold, they have a term called hospitaliano. And he would never have known that they have that term and that value, hospitaliano. So I made him change some of his answers to incorporate his knowledge and understanding of Hospitaliano. And sure enough, 15 minutes later, he got an interview, called for an interview. Yeah. And when he went to the interview, the manager said, I'm really impressed in the fact that you knew about our Hospitaliano. Absolutely. Because he told me, he says, mom, you did the right thing. It's like, I did the right thing? <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. did the right thing. And now from here on out, he's now 25. Every single time he goes to prepare for an interview, he always remembers when I showed him how to do that and he discovered Hospitaliano. And now, you know, he's he's making it up the career ladder, doing very well for himself. But that well, little fantastic. thing right there, it makes a difference. And it's And it's a small thing. It's not, it's not a huge step. It's, it's a small thing, and, and it's those little things that you can do that will get you further ingrained and get that interview. So, yes, absolutely. So are you still in, oh, you mentioned that you were retired and that you yourself are going back to school, which is awesome, absolutely awesome. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I retired about 10 months ago from the state of Wisconsin. So I've always had an intense interest in history. So I'm working on a uh, master's degree in history right now. And uh, it's my first class back in a long, long time. So it's a lot of different things. And it's a, at the master's level, it's a lot more intense than at the uh, undergraduate level. This morning, I kind of was poking around and I brought up a couple of job postings. And one's for a local, well, it's it, it's Farm and Fleet, which is is kind of big, and they're a retailer, but they're looking for a project manager. And so I kind of put some stuff together or to kind of match what we've been talking about. So the first thing when you're doing a resume, part of the very first paragraph that you write should have... Blaine's Farm and Fleet project manager and the ID number for the job or the date of the posting so that they know exactly what job you are applying for. Because they had probably 20 different jobs listed because their corporate headquarters is here and they're looking for recruiters and they're looking for other people. So if you don't put down which job you're applying for, the HR person has to guess. Right. And in that first 10 seconds that they spend on your file, they're not going to guess. Exactly. So you need to make sure that they know what job that you're applying for. The next thing inside that same paragraph is they're looking for somebody that has a bachelor's degree. I have a, I have a master's degree and I'm working on a second master's degree. But neither one is in what they're looking for, which is business or related degree at the bachelor's level. So I'm not going to put my master's degree in chaplaincy or divinity, and I'm not going to put a master's degree in, in history down. I'm going to put down that bachelor's degree so that they know, because they say it's required it's also required to have five to eight years of project management and related experience. And so that's where I would bring in all the project management and program management that I had while I was in the military because one of my titles was program manager. So right there, program manager, and they're looking for a program manager. I've got that exact same job title. The Army didn't call it program manager. The Army said I was the team leader for this team at the transition assistance program. But that made me the program manager. Right. And so I put it into their terminology. I didn't call myself team leader. I called myself program manager for this resume that, that I, I kind of just quickly made up. And therefore, I had the five years of pro program management that they were looking for. They're looking for somebody that can solve problems, do budgets, things like that. So I came up with two star statements based on what they had down in there. And star statements, it's a four-part thing. It's you First, you tell the situation, then the task, the action that you had, and then the result. So here's the first one. 
entered a department that overspent their yearly budget of $12 million by $600,000 when receiving the role as manager. Did root cause problem solving as to why they were overspending, made the corrections, the next year spent $8 million of a $12.2 million budget while serving 8% more customers and receiving a top quality award rating. So it's not a bullet point. That's that's like almost a full paragraph, but it explains exactly what I did for a program and their budgeting. A second star statement that I did based on what they're uh, talking about using cross-functional teams and gaining the buy-in of stakeholders. And this goes to the time that I was at the Transition Assistance Program managed a team of four to gain the willing cooperation of 16 major stakeholders to implement a system of transferring 20,000 workers from full-time to part-time work, exceeding management's goal by over 240%. Yes. Because in the time that I was there at the Transition Assistance Program, we transferred or helped the RCCC, the Reserve Component Career Counselors, we helped them transfer over 20,000 people into the Reserves and National Guard. And the RCCC uh, made their mission by over 240%. That's significant. Absolutely. You know, and once again, that, that goes to where they were on their post talking about... Uh, Build and manage relationships with key st- stakeholders to ensure business needs are met and value is delivered. That is definitely meeting, doing that, getting that stakeholder buy-in because we had to go to, to the uh, Army headquarters and do reports up to the three-star general there. We had all the brigade commanders that we worked with, plus the transition assistance folks uh, at different levels and working with the different battalions down to the soldiers to get them through the program and then get them the counseling that they needed to convince them to go into the reserves and National Guard. That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. And this is an an example. And those those were actually verifiable. Uh, That last one was actually verifiable on, on my last NCOER that I received. Right. And that would be a performance evaluation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so an NCOER to a civilian employer means nothing. But Absolutely. say that in my last performance evaluation, I can verify that we actually did uh, increase by 240%. Absolutely. You see? And and once again, translating that that information into terms that they can understand. Yes, 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 yes. Well, William, I think my audience has learned quite a bit from eavesdropping and our little discussion (laughs) and our little uh, visit between the two of us. I I hope so. And and it's been a joy to meet up with another 79 Delta, which is an Army career counselor for everybody out there, and talking about transitioning and building a a military career as well as a civilian career with all the skills, all the skills and training 
matters in, in the civilian world, but it matters more to be able to communicate that. Is there any way that people can get in touch with you outside of this podcast if they have questions? Uh, I'm not sure how much I want to uh, <laughs> put out there um, because I am retired. But if you check with every state has office that does what we did, the Office of Veteran Employment Services, and every state has them and call them. They have lots and lots of knowledge. You have to be a veteran to work there. You have to be a veteran to work there, and they all care about veterans. Yes. So you'll be working with someone that understands your experience, can speak your language, and teach you how to translate that language into civilian talk, <laughs> Absolutely. which is important. Absolutely. I appreciate you inviting me onto the program. Oh, thank you for coming. And I hope I uh, gave out some good information. I believe you did. And with that, I will be wrapping this up in a moment. Don't go away. Well, you know, well, I have got some really exciting feeling that happened right after I got off the chat with William Madison. Oh, man, I sure hope that you learned a few things while we were chatting. For one thing, did you know that on a resume there was such a thing as a star statement? that you are stating your situation, talking about the task and the action and the results. And you can do it in a bullet point, very concisely and very powerfully. Wow, I sure hope that you would take that away from this conversation and blow it up for your career. Make it happen. Make sure to have star statements in your resume. I'm so grateful that William Addison took some time out of his busy life. Right now he is going to school and learning more to get a second master's. That in itself is a model for us to follow. So stay tuned for more opportunities to listen to folks that will help us on our path to prosper. Mm -hmm.